0: that lovely introduction. Um, Friends, it's lovely to see you. I really can't see you because of these bright lights, but I would love it if you had a Bible in your hands. So some of you will switch on phones or iPads or whatever. We might need some lights up in the church itself so people could actually see any words on a screen. Is that okay? On a page, I mean. Is that okay? It would be really great would you um, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 3? Just as you're doing that, uh, next week I am really thrilled to say that we've got Matthew Frost here. Matthew is the CEO of uh, Tear Fund. It's a 70 million pound relief agency. It uh, is one of the largest relief agencies in this country. It's working all over the world. Um, He is... Uh, an amazing guy, outstanding. Um, he's got a brain the size of a double-decker bus fitted into a tiny little head and um, is so inspiring. And I had lunch with him on Friday and uh, he's, uh, we were talking about uh, him coming next week and he said, Mark, what do you want me to prepare to speak on? And I said, it'd be terribly boring to have you speak. What I'd really like to do is sit up the front with you in a conversation where I can interview you and then we can throw the question, the microphone round the congregation so that uh, anybody who wants to ask a question can ask a question. Um, He is, he doesn't just lead Tear Fund actually, he has an amazing heart for justice and a theology of sustainable development from a kingdom perspective through the local church that is really worth exploring so next week bring a friend because they will be absolutely blown away by this guy I, every time I spend a couple of hours with him I think gosh that was just so worth it um, he stretches my mind in so many different directions. So be really terrific. So there's no preach next week. There's an interview and then open forum for a bit. So a very different style of evening service, but let's see how it goes and uh, enjoy it together. Is that all right? Jolly good. Um, okay, um, I'm really pleased to be able to uh, be part of this little series. As you know, uh, some of you will remember we're doing a little series on um, prayer and prayer. Um, uh, 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 Richard uh, Thomas has put this series together and, and we've heard from uh, Richard and Chris um, here uh, in the evening and they let me do this last one as we uh, bring this prayer little prayer series into land but also as we launch and you can see it in the uh, notice sheet don't go without a notice sheet today. there are so many important notices in that notice sheet not least of which is the date of vision night 4th of February really want everybody to be there please put that in your diary make it a priority um, got some really exciting news for us as a church for this year of what we think believe God is calling us to and have got approval to do through the bishops uh, in the area so I'm uh, not going to say anything till That night, and if you don't come that night, you'll miss it. So come that night and hear what we're going to be doing. But it's very exciting. Um, uh, But before um, uh, we go there, let me just ask you a question. When you pray, how many people, I'm going to ask you to raise a hand, find your mind wanders? Okay. So. Thank you, David. I thought I was going to have to pick you out then. So it's probably true, isn't it? Most of us, when we start praying, when we start praying, isn't it funny? We think of all those other things that we weren't thinking about before we started praying. Your mind goes in different tangents. I think it's true for all of us. We we lose some of our ability to focus on what God is calling us to. Now, it's very different if you really have something to pray for. If something has caught you, not just in your mind, not just in what you believe, but catches your heart, and so you pray with an intensity, that means that you're absolutely going to pray. Uh, I've been in that situation. Some of you know the story. I'm not gonna bore you with the story again, but I've been in the situation praying over one of my children when we were informed by the senior pediatrician of Great Ormond Street Hospital not to expect him to come back to life. He was on breathing uh, machinery. I tell you that for 10 days, every moment of every breath and every prayer was focused in on something that absolutely tore my heart apart. Now, um, the end of that is that actually Um, he's absolutely fine now, and God did an amazing miracle. Now if you wanna know about that, I'm not gonna say that again here because uh, I've told people before and I don't want to bore people with it, but um, it does, does make me ask a question. If there is an intensity to our prayer that means that every word, every breath, every moment counts, I wonder if God listens with the equal intensity. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that and some of you now are running through a theological conundrum in your head trying to work that out and does that work or is that work or how would you balance that with a God of grace and I know, I know, oh, is that conundrum, I, I know, I know and I, I don't have the, the answer to that but what I do know is that actually when there is an intensity to it, Something changes not just in the, the, the heart of prayer that you have, but, but something in the, the focus and the, the reality of the answer to that prayer. I wonder that's, whether that's when we maybe see certain things happening in the supernatural. I have something else at the moment that has torn my heart apart, and I can assure you, over the last few days, I've been praying day and night. Uh, waking up uh, first night, uh, Friday night, when I heard some bad news, I woke up Saturday morning. We did this Men's Day, but I would slept for about an hour. Uh, just been praying through the night for something that was dear to my heart. You know, when you when you look in the Bible, you see that pra- the prayers of the people, like Moses, Daniel, David, Paul, they they're quite different prayers. They pray with an intensity. They pray with a knowledge of something of the, the power of God at work in their lives. They pray, it seems to me, with a single-minded focus, as if this might be their only chance. When we were in India, uh, Mark and I were in India in, um, uh, recently last year, we, we, we uh, were praying for people in ministry. And uh, in Bihar, northern India, there is no health service. There are no counselling systems. There is no social security. There is no nothing. (laughs) So if the prayer doesn't work, there's no hope. When that is the case, your prayers change. They change because you realise if this doesn't work, there isn't anything else. And so your prayers become all the more intense. Now, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to uh, f- give a firm link from this to that, but it does seem to me there's a significant amount of supernatural works of God that happen in and around those different nations, where there is an intensity to prayer that has a single-minded focus that says, "If this is the only thing we've got, then it's going to be, it's every breath, every prayer, every moment is going to count. I, I would love to suggest to you that it might be a lesson to us from this I think that prayer truly is a window to our souls that we pray for what we care for we pray for what concerns us and the reverse of that is also true we don't pray about what we don't really care about that's a fairly convicting thought isn't it we pray about what we really care about but equally we don't pray about those things that we don't really care about I think many Christians are paralyzed in their prayer lives we're paralyzed because we think that perhaps we don't pray often enough therefore we're not a person of prayer so our prayers won't be heard Um, or who should listen to our prayer or we maybe we fear uh, in prayer that we're praying the wrong thing Maybe we're unsure of what to pray or maybe we we just don't think we have enough faith to pray. So we don't enter into uh, prayer. That's why it's really important to look at the Bible. It helps us to look at the records of prayers of the great saints as we listen to Moses crying out to God. As, we, as he cries out, as Nehemiah cries out, as Daniel cry out, as they intercede for the people of God. In, in John 17, as, as we, we're recorded with the prayer of Jesus, as he intercedes on our behalf, an amazing thought that, that Jesus Christ is interceding for you at this very moment, wherever your faith is, whatever you think, whatever you believe. You are, you personally are on Christ's heart. He, he is interceding to the Heavenly Father for you. Scattered throughout the letters, we have numerous prayers of the Apostle Paul. And um, the prayer we're going to look at this evening is Ephesians three fourteen to 21. It's perhaps one of the greatest prayers in the entire Bible, I think. Um, It's the second prayer in Ephesians and um, those of you who were here last week you'll remember well that uh, Richard was preaching on the first prayer in uh, Ephesians and um, the first prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 is a prayer of enlightenment and uh, the prayer is this that we might know God better the enlightenment prayer and so Richard reminded us of knowing God, of knowing the hope that we have in God, of knowing the riches that are there for us in God, and of knowing that God has the power to be the answer to our prayers. The beginning of Ephesians is all about if you know this God, this is the God to whom you can trust. This is the God who is the answer to your life's issues. This is the God that you need to know. And then we come to the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse Fourteen. This second prayer is about enablement. May that that you know now be enabled in your life. May it become reality for you. Let me just read this to you. Father, would you bless this word to us as we look at it together this evening and as we allow the words of this text to come along. When I think of all of this... so no strong and may you have the power to understand all God to accomplish infinitely more than we might go then. okay I want to just uh, I want you to have the Bible open because I want you to see uh, where we're going with this I, I think the central verse of this prayer I think this is so crucial to each of us in our lives you might not be facing a crisis at the moment things might be going along swimmingly fantastic but it won't be true for everybody and it won't be true for you for all of your life and if things aren't going swimmingly friends you need the power of God you need to know where you can turn to you need to know that you can lean into your heavenly father in a place in prayer and the the core key verse in this is verse 16 says in verse 16 I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that's what Richard was talking about last week, from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. In a sense, Paul is is praying for one thing and one thing only. He asks God to strengthen those listening by the Holy Spirit, that they can fulfill God's will for them. Praying for God to strengthen you on the inside with his spirit that your life will be lived in such a way that the will of God will become reality in and around you. That you would literally be a walking example, a demonstration, an illustration of the kingdom of God. That actually when people see your life they would see something of the God in you that you seek to live your life for and follow. Why do I say that's the central part of this prayer? Look at verses 12 and 13. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Paul is is going through a a difficult time. He's saying, look, don't lose heart because you don't see things that are are going the way in which you feel they should be going. Don't lose heart because things don't seem to be going your way. Don't lose heart because you can't understand or get an answer to a particular issue. Don't lose heart because of an unresolved conflict. Don't lose heart in life, he says. He knows that the only way for people not to lose heart is to know something of God's strength internally, that they would be strengthened for whatever goes on externally. He says, look, don't lose heart for the external stuff. He says, I pray that you would know such a core of Christ in, in your very being right through the center of you that whatever's going on externally, that would be the thing that holds you together. The strength of Christ within you by his spirit. I think that this prayer, seen in the light of those verses, is something that we every day of our lives. When we're feeling downtrodden, when we're feeling things aren't going our way, friends, we need spiritual help. We need it. On Friday, I visited someone I didn't know him, but uh, I heard through a mutual friend that he had uh, a brain tumour, and uh, he now faces the threat of a very very short life. He's a young man, just lived you know happy life, and. Uh, uh, in the face of suddenly seeing the fragility of life, he said, I need to talk to someone who believes in something more than I do. So I went around to see him. And uh, I turned up and uh, he saw me and he said, oh, you don't look much like a vicar. I took that as a compliment. I thought that was okay. And I said, well, I assure you I am. He said, "Are oh, you sort of like, you know, you the Church of England or something or what are you I said yeah I'm Church of England <laughs> uh, he says you don't do that sort of dog collar thing I know I don't do that he says, oh, okay he says you have a cup of tea I said it was a bit early for anything stronger so I guess tea will I have to do and he said oh, I can see we're going to get on well <laughs> so so uh, we had an hour together and he wept and uh, we prayed And this afternoon, he emailed me and he said, please come back this week. I need to see you again to talk about the things of God. Friends, when things are going swimmingly, we can think, do I need God? You know, I'm okay. As soon as the chips turn, let me tell you, almost everybody says, oh my goodness me, I need God. We are so blessed to know God now. And Paul says you need to be strengthened in your very core now so that when anything happens externally, you've got something there to draw on that will feed you and strengthen you and carry you through the difficult times. You know, most of our prayers fall into two categories. One, we pray for, Lord, this hurts. Please make it stop. Or secondly, we pray, Lord, I don't like this. Please change the circumstances. Most of our prayers fall into those categories. Lord, my life's hurting at the moment. Please make it better. Lord, Lord, I don't like the job I'm in. Please give me a new one. Or I don't like this, whatever's going on. Please change that. They're mainly the two categories our prayers fall into. Paul, when he writes this letter, he's in prison in Rome. He's chained up with two Roman guards watching over him. He does not pray, Lord, get me out of here. What does he pray? Lord, give me strength to proclaim Christ boldly in this place. That's what he prays. He doesn't say, Lord, I don't like it in prison. Well, how come I'm following you and I end up in prison? He says, Lord, I'm in prison. I don't know why, but strengthen me here that I might proclaim Christ boldly in this situation he knows that that which he has discovered internally that that he knows in his soul is what is holding him together despite his external circumstances so Paul's prayer is not Lord take away my problems but rather Lord give me shoulders broad enough and strong enough to carry the load that I have in life at the moment You see that I think that Paul led a life that was just soaked in prayer. Do you remember Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus? Do you remember what Paul first said? He fell fell down to the ground, the light shone. Do you remember his first words? Who are you, Lord, he said. Those were his first recorded words. I don't think he ever got beyond that. Who are you, Lord, in this prison? Strengthen me that I might be strong enough to carry this situation. What might you pray? Who are you, Lord, in this place at work, in this difficult relationship, in this current circumstance? Strengthen me in my very inner core. Strengthen me that who you are can come out of me in this situation. And that's the first great result, isn't it? Of us being strengthened in our inner souls. Verse 17 says this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's a profound verse, that Christ will make his home in your hearts. Friends, if you come to my house, you won't necessarily know where everything is. As much as I try to welcome you, you'll come into my home but you won't necessarily feel at home. I'll try to make you feel at home, but you won't feel at home. You won't feel as though you can just sit down in a chair, put your feet up on another chair, find the TV remote control and watch anything you want. Because you're in my house. As much as I try to make you feel at home, you won't feel you can do that. You won't think, gosh, there's a nice chocolate cake in the fridge, I'll just go and help myself. You won't feel you can do that because you're in my house. And you'll think, I better ask Mark. Actually, better ask Lindsay. That's the way it would work. You won't feel you can do that. As much as I try to make you feel at home, because you're actually in my house, you'll think, I better check with them. You won't feel totally at home. As much as I try to make you feel at home, you won't feel totally at home. You'll think, well, I better, you know, I better just do that. But when I'm in my house, I can watch what I want. I can put my feet on what I want. I can eat what I want. I can go to bed when I want. I can get up what I want. I can do whatever I like because I feel totally at home. That's Paul's prayer, that Christ would feel that in your life. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Christ truly at home In other words, it's almost natural for Christ to be there. He owns your heart. You've given it totally and completely over to him. You've said, this is your heart, Lord, not mine. I'll check with you. You're the one. Because when you're truly at home in my heart and I'm strengthened in my inner core by your spirit, whatever goes on externally, I can stand strong because I stand strong in you, my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's his home. He's not just with me, he's in me. He's not just a visitor, he's at home in my heart. But it doesn't stop there. He says, if you're strengthening your inner core and Christ is at home within you, verse 18, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it's too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The first result of being strengthened in our inner souls is that Christ has a home in our hearts. He owns the place. It belongs to him. We do what he directs us to do. The second thing, if he owns our hearts and we allow him to do that, then we will know the love of God. We'll know a love that surpasses all knowledge. We'll know a love that is so deep-rooted, so foundational, so anchored in our souls that it will change everything about us and everything that we do. What does it say of his love? It says it's wide and long and high and deep. God so loved the world, John three sixteen. That's how wide it is. God so loved the world that he included everybody and that includes you and me. Every single person is included in his love. We'll know his love. It's wide enough to include you. It's long enough to last for eternity. It's deep enough to reach down to the deepest depths you've ever been to and pick you up. And it's high enough to lift you up ultimately, to take you to heaven. Christ's love is four-dimensional love. And strengthened in our inner core, we'll know that love. That will find you wherever you are. That will never leave you nor forsake you. That you will never be alone in life. But the prayer doesn't rest there. It goes on in verse 19 doesn't it it says then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God and surely that's the goal of the Christian life isn't it that we'll be made complete in him with all the fullness of God we'll be filled to overflowing with the presence of God himself you know if you're filled with anger anger will dominate your life if you're filled with jealousy then jealousy will dominate your life if you're filled with hurt then hurt will dominate your life but if you're filled with God, then the love of God will dominate your life. And it will not just change your life, but it'll change the life of everyone around you. It'll change your family, it'll change your friends, it'll change your work colleagues, because your, love will be do- your life will be dominated by love. What an amazing gift you will be to everyone around you. The gift of a life filled to overflowing with the love of God. That knows no anger and jealousy, that knows no no difficulty, that just just wants to ooze something of God and God's love to others. You'll be a blessing. You'll be a light to the world. You'll be a salt that changes everything. We know we will know something deeper, richer, and more meaningful that you can't get from anywhere or anything else when we're filled with the love of God. And when we are, we're transformed. It says this in Romans 12, doesn't it? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new Person, by changing the way you think, then you will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. To be filled to overflowing with the fullness of God means that we'll be transformed, changed into the likeness of Christ, our Savior. And it will transform our lives so that our lives will be holy and pure and full of mercy and patience and grace. You might say, well, I don't know if that's possible for me. I'm not as great a person as perhaps I should be. Well, do you know what? God wants to transform every single one of us. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could stand here and say, my life has been so squeaky clean, so pure in every way, but it would be telling a terrible lie. Ah, you know, most of us struggle with holiness, don't we? Most of us struggle with different things. But Christ filling us with his spirit in our inner being will continue to transform and change us. I suggest, friends, that this prayer of Christ that Paul prays is the most amazing prayer in the Bible. And the main focus of it is that he prays that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. It says, now all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than ever we might ask, think or imagine. Glory to him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever amen if you if you don't yet know the inner strength of the spirit in your life and the transforming work and power of Jesus Christ now I want to urge you even tonight to say yes maybe you've been drifting a while I want to say to you tonight even tonight say yes again say Lord come come change me, come transform me. For I want to be someone who is strengthened in my very inner core by your Spirit. I want to be someone who because of that you have a home in my heart. That you're fully at home there, you can do whatever you like. And because of that your love would flow out from me to everybody that I meet. And that I would so care for that that you care about that my prayer life would be transformed and that I would be a blessing of God to every single person I meet. And you might think life's swimming along at the moment, I don't need it. I assure you, at some point in your life you're going to. Best time to start working on that is now and not then. Is that okay? I feel as though I've been a bit passionate. passionate because I think it's so so important we've been inspired by Chris and Richard to be people of prayer friends I can't I can't emphasise enough how important this will be that we're people open to the spirit of God allowing his life to transform our lives that we might transform others lives in the power of the spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, we come to you now because we come as a a group of people just hungry, Lord, to know more of you. Oh, Lord. We want to know more of you. Lord, we want to be strengthened in our very inner core. We'll be filled to overflowing with you. Come, Lord. Richard, would you come and help me, friend? Lord, Lord, would you would you come? Come now by your spirit upon us. Come. Come. Maybe you've been drifting a while, maybe you've thought that everything's just okay. maybe now, just in your heart where you are. Just put a hand on your heart and say, Lord, would you strengthen me in my inner being by your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you come and make your home in my heart that my life would be a life that overflows with your love? Would you strengthen me in my inner being with your spirit. Would you make your home in my heart that my heart would overflow, my life would overflow with your love and that from the very fullness of God within me others might meet Christ that I have within me.